Hello and welcome to the 2023 edition of the Megapod here on the lines. Matt Brown, Adam Candy, Stephen Andrus, and boys, it is really good to be back. We are doing this immediately following the first game of the season, so we have real football under our belts. We feel good about that. Well, I do anyway. Had a plus money ticket there on the Lions, and so I uh, feel pretty good about that and uh i do want we won't often talk about what goes on on thursday night because we do want to talk about you know this want this to be a forward-looking show but adam i do want to start off here at least a little bit because i wonder if there is something to take forward from this game for us from a betting aspect and look i understand that travis kelsey wasn't out there for this chiefs team but they chose to go into this season with that wide receiver room. And we kind of saw tonight what that wide receiver room brings to the table against the Lions defense that, yes, is improved, but is by no means good. And it does make me wonder as we move forward here, if this Chiefs team is playing better secondaries and like better, like guys that can actually get a pass rush and stuff. Um, it does make me wonder about what we're going to think about this Chiefs, certainly betting maybe against them somewhere along the way. Gotta be honest, Matt. I, th- I think I actually came out the other way uh, out of this one tonight. Um, take the pick six out of the equation, and the Chiefs won this game by six. And I know we, for betting purposes, we can't do that, right? But that's as fluky of a play as you'll get. Granted, Detroit also had a turnover deep in the red zone, so we could pl- probably play that game a little bit both directions. But what I saw out of the Chiefs tonight was more concerning to me from the Andy Reid perspective than it was from the Dropsies perspective, which is something that I think you probably had to expect with the youth of the wide receivers. I mean, we, we talk about Kadarius Tony like a known quantity in this league. The guy has less than two seasons worth of snaps coming in this year. So I think what I took out of it was that Andy Reid was very conservative tonight a couple of field goals on fourth and twos that he easily could have gone for it was a bit head scratching to go uh, for fourth and 25 although I, I understand overall where he was coming from there I'll be watching to see how much that line moves next week with Jacksonville I don't know that it's necessarily the spot that I want to try to you know get a little cute coming in on the Chiefs however mm-hmm. if there's an overreaction there I, I will definitely be taking a close look at that yeah, Stephen, uh, I, I don't know what you think of of everything here, but man, it, it, to me anyway, I had concerns about this Chiefs team coming in, mainly because of the wide receiver room. Like that was one of the reasons why I was like, listen, I understand you got the greatest quarterback potentially of all time, but I mean, at some point you have to have someone to throw to, and without having his best friend out there, I think we saw tonight. I mean, look, guys, not only dropping things, but not getting open, running wrong routes. He's got they got little small dudes as well, so it's like difficult to get the ball to some of these guys and. When you're having to rely on Marquez Valdez-Scantling to kind of be your number one, I think that this is going to be an interesting season. I don't, I'm not so sure that they're not going to get on the phone tomorrow. Listen, Jarvis Landry is out there. Kenny Galladay is out there. Hell, the corpse of Julio Jones is still out there as far as like guys that can get signed. I mean, it, it wouldn't surprise me if they start kicking the tires on some people. Wow, I just had like 2019 flashbacks there for a second. But, <laughs> um, you know, I, to me... First of all, proper context here. League average for yards per play a year ago was 5.4, and neither of these teams were above average tonight based on that on a yards per play basis. The biggest conclusion I drew from this opener, I walked away pretty impressed with the Chiefs' defense, to be quite honest with you. you know, To, to Adam's point, you take away the pick six, and they, they allowed 14 points tonight. So 
Um, I thought we kind of talked about that a little bit in the AFC West preview, Matt, that the Chiefs did what they had to do with Mahomes getting big money. They hit on draft picks. I think they're pretty strong, pretty all around here. And, you know, at this point, um, I wouldn't be surprised at all if this is a top 10 Chiefs defense, which would be a big departure from some of the Chiefs defenses we've seen in recent years with Patrick Mahomes uh, at the helm. So I, I do side with Adam a little bit more here that, I think the Chiefs, I mean, this is Patrick Mahomes we're talking about. Travis Kelsey will be back. The Chiefs defense might look even better once Chris Jones finally decides to come back and play if he, you know, sits out eight weeks or whatever. The Chiefs were down their second and third best players and probably still should have won this game. So, um, and and I they still do have options at receiver to at least kick the tires and see if there's some upside on, Rasheed Rice getting more snaps. He scored a touchdown in his NFL debut in this game. Uh, Justin Ross is an athletic freak who had an injury derail his draft stock at the worst possible time. So, you know, if Tony's just going to be a total bust, then and Sky Moore just, you know, isn't tall enough. I mean, he was wide open a couple times and Mahomes just threw it too high for him. Um, I, I'm more confident, obviously, in the Chiefs getting back to what they need in this offense, looking better than what they need. Um, in, in, in they got to call for, they got to call Tampa and see if my, if they can get Mike Evans, that's what they got to do. They got to call Tampa and be like, look, Mike Evans don't want to be there anymore. Like you're going to tear that thing down for parts. They got to see if they can or get, dare I, dare I say uh, the Rams pack it in early and, and Cooper cup becomes available. My God, imagine that with Mahomes. They'd need a Kings ring. I don't know if they have. To, I don't know if they have the the power to get him or not. He's going to demand some a lot of stuff. But I, I think you get Mike Evans pretty, pretty cheap. All right, let's get into Week One here of the NFL. We have the Titans heading to New Orleans to take on the Saints. That as we sit right now, this thing is flashing. People are betting on the Saints. It is still a three right now. It is a juiced three. We could be seeing three and a halfs here uh, pretty soon. 41 and a half to forty two is your total Adam. If we take a look at this one, uh, I actually have a look at the total in this. I don't really have anything on the side because while I am not impressed with this Titans team at all, I'm not really jumping up and down about the saints either. I know that, you know, they have the best quarterback in the division by default. And I understand that they probably have the most talent in the division by default, but they're not playing a division team. They're playing the Titans. And while I don't like the Titans a ton, this is probably the best version of the Titans you're going to get. Like in week one where everybody's healthy and everybody's like good to go because we're it's a bunch of old dudes that are going to be like nicks and scrapes and stuff and whatever somewhere along the way. So I'm a little bit nervous about that. I mean, if anything, if this does go to three and a half, if I had to play it, I'd probably be Titans or pass. But uh, what say you? Pass for me. And it's not pass because I don't like the game necessarily. I want to see what Derek Carr is with Teron Armstead on the field and healthy before I think I know what's going on with this Saints offense. Because what we know about Derek Carr for sure is that without solid offensive line play, especially at the tackle spots when he starts to feel it, when he doesn't know where it's coming from, that's when you get the bad version of Derek Carr. And that's when everything speeds up. And that's when you don't necessarily see him make the best decisions. So, Overall, I look at this matchup on paper, and I actually think it's lying just and about And you've got, right. uh, and Stephen, no Alvin Kamara to uh, start the season there for the Saints either, so no guy to bail out for, uh, you know, with, with Derek Carr. 
I did play the under, under 42 in this thing. And I played the under because I think we're looking at an, a Saints offense that might take a little bit to figure things out, especially with Kamara not out there. And then also on the Titan side of things, we kind of know when they're at their best what they really want to do, right? And when they're at their best, what they really want to do is just run the ball, right? And 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 they got a pretty good defense. And I, that's one thing the Titans do bring to the table is at least a pretty, pretty good defense. And so for me, uh, I, I played the under 42. What are you looking at in this one? Nothing for me here. I think there's just a little bit too much uncertainty with both of these offensive lines for me to have a ton of confidence um, that either the Saints are going to win by more than a field goal or the Titans, um, you know, they're by all accounts consensus, one of, if not the worst offensive lines in football here. So um, I get the coaching angle with Vrabel. I get that DeAndre Hopkins should help the passing game a little bit if they can protect for Ryan Tannehill, but at a really bad offensive line with a well below average defense, they don't have much talent at all in defense for Tennessee and having to cover Chris Olave and, uh, a, a kind of an under-the-radar speedster who wrecked a couple of uh, secondaries last year in uh, Rasheen Shahid, then, you know, I, I just don't have a ton of confidence. Um, I I get why people bet the win total on the Saints, but that's different than betting on them week-to-week week to cover more than three points. So um, I see them maybe piling up some wins because if you look at the schedule, it is so easy for New Orleans. But not a team I'm I'm at least interested in out of the gates here to back uh, to win by more than a field goal. Yeah, for me, it was just a total play for me. Again, I don't I don't like either one of these offenses, and I actually think both defenses are respectable. And so with that, I just don't think there's gonna be a bunch of points in this game. So for me, an under 42 is in the account. Jacksonville Jaguars and the Indianapolis Colts as we sit right now. Four and a halfs and fives are available out there. There's one five and a half available at faraway places wondering if maybe we end up getting some Jaguars money uh, a little bit a, a little bit coming in here. 46 and a half is the prevailing total in this one. Uh, Steven, I'll start with you. Of course, a lot of buzz about the Jags and hey, listen, the Colts Jonathan Taylor not going to be out there. Don't really know if that really matters when you look at this roster up and down. Let's start with Trevor Lawrence because a, a light switch went off for him about halfway through the year last year. And, um, you know, usually you see that in a player's rookie year, but when Urban Meyer is your head coach in your rookie season, then it might take till year two. So Doug Peterson's done this before with Carson Wentz. And I think all of us would agree that Trevor Lawrence appears to be a heck of a lot more talented than Carson Wentz. Uh, ever was. So the fact that Trevor Lawrence in the second half of last year was ranking in EPA per attempt, which, you know, for those joining the podcast for the first time, um, some of the big advanced metrics we use EPA success rate far more predictive than the traditional stats you'll see on the mainstream statistical websites like yards per carry and, you know, points per game, those type of things. So, um, to put that in perspective, Mahomes is typically the leader year in and year out in, in EPA per attempt. And Trevor Lawrence from week nine on last year was second in that category, just ahead of Patrick Mahomes. And now they add Calvin Ridley. They play an Indianapolis secondary in this game that um, not very talented, to put it mildly. And they play a lot of zone, which Trevor Lawrence did very well against a year ago. So, um, I, I expect them to win this game pretty easily. Now, there's certainly a, a process debate here to be had, guys. 
this this line was three and a half for most of the offseason. The Jonathan Taylor stuff pops up. Now we're looking at four and a half and five. Is a running back really worth that much to this spread? Um, I open the floor to debate for you guys because, you know, I guess some, I, you can come in on the contrarian side here and, and maybe take Indianapolis based on that angle. Yeah, I don't think the move was at really had anything to do with the running back. I think it was that Anthony Richardson got named the starter. And so I think that if you look at the Colts, they're probably a better team today with Gardner Minshew at quarterback. Like they probably have a better chance to keep games close and be better with Gardner Minshew at quarterback. So I think the move really was off of Anthony Richardson getting named starter. And, you know, Adam, as we look at this, Anthony Richardson's ceiling could be who know like, could be like one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL when it's all said and done, but his floor could also be the absolute worst quarterback in the NFL. I think it's going to take a learning curve here for him. I think that we're going to see some pretty big, some pretty steep um, mistakes and things like that from him early on, which is why I actually did play the Jags as well. I didn't think I was going to have having as many week one plays as I did, but I have the Jags at four and a half. Uh, I feel pretty confident about it. I'm pretty high on the Jags overall in the season as it is anyway, but listen, first game out there for Anthony Richardson, yeah, he might run for 60 or 70 yards in this game, but he also might have a couple of really bad throws, miss receivers, couple picks, maybe even a, a fumble or something along the way. I expect him to give the ball to the Jags at least once, if not twice, and I think that'll be enough for us to cover the four and a half. Uh, what are you looking at in this one? I already have Jags minus five. Mm. Um, I don't love laying that big with a favorite on the road, but if ever there was a spot yeah. that just screams, go for this. Uh, this is the one I make this game by my numbers, Jag seven. Uh, so really anything under the touchdown is going to be fine for me. And to, to Steven's point, if you want to say it's about Jonathan Taylor, right? I'll play the devil's advocate on that and say, <laughs> and say, okay, let's say the move's about Jonathan Taylor. Well, a move from three and a half to four to four and a half to five, it doesn't matter. Like, like ultimately, that's not even a really truly a point and a half move in the same way we would discuss a point and a half move mm -hmm. somewhere else. Those are numbers that really ultimately don't mean a whole lot. So if ever there were going to be some sort of move by a non-quarterback that did make numbers move, it's in this area that I think you would see it. What's interesting to me is that this game continues to sit 46 and a half because I don't see the Colts as a team that's going to be able to chase, right? I don't yeah. think Anthony Richardson is going to be able to chase in this game. And so even if you think the Jags are going to go put up 30 points against Indianapolis, they're certainly not going to continue to expose Trevor Lawrence throughout this game. If they get up 20, 24 points, they're going to be pounding the ball over and over again. So I think you also could take a look at the under if you were a little bit scared of the Jags. If maybe you thought to yourself, okay, maybe in week one, Calvin Ridley hasn't played for a whole long time. Maybe the offense isn't quite ready to click. Cam Robinson's going to miss the first four games, and so their offensive line's a little bit unsettled. Maybe you look at it as an underplay then because I have a really difficult time seeing how Jacksonville puts up more than 14 in this game. Yeah, listen, his Anthony Richardson's rushing prop is sitting at 47 and a half. That might be the lowest we see it for like a while. <laughs> like, I mean, like the dude, look, they're going to have design runs for him anyway. And as we know about these young athletic quarterbacks, it's like first reads, not there. I'm gone. Right. I mean, like yeah, he's going to take off and run. Like we, he might be like 60 moving forward as far as like a rushing prop goes. So just keep that in mind. I don't know if we'll see a 47 on Anthony Richardson anytime soon. Can, Again, it, I think it's going to take him a while to adapt. Can I, can I play devil's advocate here just a little bit? Because um, 
Well, sure. It, it is week one. We are still still dealing with complete unknowns here with these rookie quarterbacks. I acknowledge that the range of outcomes with Anthony Richardson is probably wider than any of these rookie quarterbacks that we'll talk about. Um, but I do want to at least acknowledge that, you know, there's been some Justin Fields comparisons with the rushing ability and the athleticism. But the one big difference I saw, at least statistically in college, and then what Justin Fields has put on the field coming out of college, Justin Fields had issues with sacks in college and it was exacerbated in the NFL. He's taken far too many sacks, even on top of his rushing ability and the stats he's put up there. Anthony Richardson's actually been elite in his college debut, even though the, the, the completion percentage wasn't there, it was really bad. But in terms of avoiding sacks, which are drive killers, he was among the best in the league just because he's so big and physical and hard to bring down. So I'm at least curious early in his NFL career, if that's going to allow him to keep some drives and keep some plays alive. So we'll, we'll see what happens, but I wonder if he can kind of just muck this up a little bit turn it into some schoolyard ball against some bad secondaries and maybe be at least more productive than, than we mostly expect. Well, all right. So to, to go to that point, guys, let's say he can keep a play alive, right? Do we trust he can make the throw? I was going to say, is that a good thing? I don't even know if that's a good <laughs> right. thing. Like, it might lead to worse outcomes yeah. ultimately if he's keeping True. plays alive too long, if he's not throwing the ball away. So, and, you know, if I wanted to talk about the, you know, the, the sample you're talking about in itself, the Anthony Richardson sample size is way smaller than the Justin Fields sample sizes ultimately here, too. Sure. So, I, I, I mean, yeah, we, we have a lot to find out about all the rookie quarterbacks, but I, I don't know that I want him keeping plays alive. Yeah, I think they probably tell him, hey, man. You go do you. Like, we, we win in a bunch of games as it is anyway, and so you you go do you. I, he's going to get six designed runs minimum, and I think he scrambles at least another four or five times, and if that's the case, like, that 47 yards, he's going to end up with 60 or 70 yards. That, that, that's just kind of my feeling. I think I probably will end up on, on that one as well. I, I thought for sure we'd be looking at, like, a low 50s total on his, uh, on his rushing prop, but that's not the case. And as we hit the as we all record this here on Thursday evening. Tampa Bay Bucks and the Minnesota Vikings, as we sit right now, Vikings are five and a five, five and a half point favors, pretty much five and a half across the board now over this Bucks team. Was sitting six for the longest. 45 and a half is your total. Adam, Bucks team actually not completely devoid of talent. It's just, you know, you do have Baker Mayfield at quarterback, but you got some players on the defensive side. You still have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Rashad White is not terrible at running back. Like, I guess I can see why this came off a, a key-ish number of six. I can see enough people kind of coming out and saying, kind of like what we talked about What it, if, you're, if you guys are watching this in, in bits and pieces, if you're not watching the whole Thing. We were talking about the Tennessee Titans. I'm saying like this was basically going to be the best version of the Titans we were going to see in week one. Maybe the same could be said of the Bucks, right? I mean, like it's kind of older-ish players. It's kind of dudes that have been injured along the way. But, I mean, they're all healthy going into week one anyway. Yeah, I'm going to pass on this as a pregame play. But this is one that I definitely will be watching in-game to see where my opportunity to get a good number on the Bucks might be. It's something more than a touchdown because the same way we just talked about the Colts, not being a chase team, I think the Bucs are going to be a prime mm. chase team with as much talent as they have at wide receiver. And if there's one thing we know about Baker, 
it's that Baker Unchained will YOLO this thing down the field. <laughs> he will just try anything. And so the minus Minnesota Vikings defense is actually a defense that probably is going to be ripe for the picking if you get into that sort of mode, right? This is not one of the better defenses overall in the league, and the strength that it has is not in the secondary. Now, that, that could improve. They have tried to add to the secondary in the offseason, but I'll pass on this thing as anything I want to get involved with pregame just because there's a lot of unknown with the Bucks right now, but I do think it's a good opportunity to potentially get either a number on the Bucks or if the total comes way down, if they don't score early, this could be an in-game over two. How bad must Kyle Trask be also for us to, like, let's just say that. I mean, for him not to be able to win this job over Baker, uh, one of the Worst graded quarterbacks in the NFL last season, according to Pro Football Focus, 37th out of 39 qualifiers. That's pretty bad. There's only 32 NFL teams, if that tells anybody anything. So 37th out of 39 for Baker. That being said, he's got Chris Godwin, and he's got Mike Evans, and he's got Rashad White, and the defense still has a few players out there. So uh, I can see what people would at least be tempted with. I'm not one of them, Stephen, but I can see at least why people looked at that six and said, eh. I'll, I'll take six. Well, one of those people was Eli Hershkovich, our lead writer at thelines.com. And you can listen to his reasons why he bet Tampa Bay on the Beat the Closing Number uh, sister podcast of ours on the Lines YouTube channel. Uh, for me, it was a pass. This is not a Vikings team that I ever want to back to win by a large margin with how pure they ran on one possession games. Uh, with the, in my opinion, below average talent they have on defense at this point, you're putting a lot of faith in Brian Flores to turn this thing around uh, from Ed Donatelli a year ago uh, to see him make a jump. But I'm not sure he has the horses to make it happen. I, I just don't see a lot of talent. On, on the flip side with Tampa Bay, you know, it, it would be dog or pass here for me. Um, but Baker Mayfield just makes me too nervous, to be honest with you. I mean, looking at his advanced metrics from a year ago, 45th and 48th among quarterbacks with at least 100 attempts in EPA per play and success rate, bottom five in completion percentage over expected, only P.J. Walker, Malik Willis, and Trace McSorley were worse. It's a lot of points against a team like Minnesota, but I just – I need a better quarterback than that to, to back it. So it's it's an observation game for me, but I am very curious to see what this new look Tampa team looks like because at least out of the gates, I agree with you that they're probably closer to a league average team than they are a bottom three team. And I rated the Vikings around league average to start the year for what it's worth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, listen, if, if, we're, if we're sitting here talking about this next week and the Vikings just boat race this team because Baker threw three interceptions and whatever like that wouldn't surprise me in the least bit like that you know like that wouldn't surprise me but if this was a field goal win by the Vikings also wouldn't surprise me right because like Adam said I mean if there's a if there's a team that could that could chase and maybe chase down some sort of backdoor cover this is probably it you know this is probably one of those teams and so I just want to mess with them We'll kind of see how it all how it all plays out, but not one that I certainly one of the games that I, I will watch as y'all were talking about. Because this is a good evaluating game, I think, for me, for both sides of the ball, right? I mean, what is what are the Vikings going to look like? Is it addition by subtraction with Thielen out of town and Jordan Addison in town, right? I mean, is that a, it, it with Dalvin Cook gone? Is there a drop off in production with Alexander Madison? I don't think so, but maybe, right? And so, uh, big time evaluating game for me, but not that nothing I'm interested in uh, 
and getting in the account. Arizona Cardinals and the Washington Commanders, as we sit right now, seven in favor of the Commanders at home over what will be the worst team in the NFL and the Arizona Cardinals. 38, 38 and a half is your total right now. Steven, if we take a look, Cardinals, at least they told us before the season started, they let us know what they're going to do. They're, they're going to try to be the worst team in the league, as they should. It's smart. They should do that. They have the very off chance. I mean, uh, they have the very off uh chance to rebuild in like a year which most teams never ever do but you could end up with the first and second overall pick in the draft if you play this thing right and so uh cardinals as seven point dogs against a team that is being led by sam Howell is uh is pretty laughable i can't wait to see what some of these spreads are going to be for the cardinals later on in the season but uh i think it's appropriate i have the commanders in a teaser to get it down to a point and i feel pretty good about it they're gonna win and i just don't know if they're gonna win by a touchdown so i, I took it down to one to further uh, emphasize the point you just made, because my jaw dropped too when I when I saw this spread, because Washington has a win total of six and a half, and they're favored by seven against somebody. Yeah. So it's just insane, yeah. really. Yeah, a team with a pulse I can't wait to see. Yeah, like if Arizona looks as bad as we think they might look this week, like I can't wait to see what some of these lines are going to are gonna be in, in future weeks. Yeah, I, I am not a big advocate, advocate of teasers to start a season. Uh, you know, there have been weeks, Matt, where you and I have, you know, fired all the cannons mid, middle of the season when we feel good about teams and where they're rated. And, you know, it's hard to just be confident in uh, where those teams are to start the year when we haven't seen them play yet. But to your point, Arizona has told us what they're they're trying to do and uh, without actually saying it out loud. And if I can tease the the commanders down to minus one, I'm, I'm pretty happy to do that. So um, I just fired a, you know, a three leg teaser this week. Washington is, is going to be one of those legs at minus one. And it's mostly just because, you know, even though I do have some concerns of the unknown with their offense, with Sam Howell and Eric Bieniemy, I have zero concerns about their defense. Number one in success rate defense last year. Number one drop back success rate. Top five in EPA per play allowed. And that was mostly without Chase Young. So I I wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if Arizona against what is in my opinion, a top five defense in the NFL doesn't even score 10 points in this game. So if if that's the bar, then I, I feel really good about having Washington as a teaser leg, even though it's not the traditional teaser of a favorite of at least seven and a half to eight and a half. Yeah, it's like you said. I mean, I have no concerns with this defense whatsoever. Uh, Adam, this might be a three nothing game, and we cover the teaser if it's three nothing. <laughs> like, so we're 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 good on that. Like, unlike the Bucks that we just talked about, where I said they're not completely talent devoid, the Cardinals are completely talent devoid, especially on the defensive side of the ball. You don't even know anybody outside of Buda Baker. Literally, like it's a full Saving a, Collins. And I was actually going to do the same thing to you. So I'm glad you did it to me first. It is literally, it is literally one of the worst teams on defense I think we will ever see put on, on an actual football field. So uh, good luck, you know, uh, trying to keep anybody uh, at bay here. So uh, I don't know. I mean, are you as, are you as bought in as I am that the Cardinals are going to be the absolute worst team in the NFL, like with a bullet? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, right. I am. Yeah, just make because sure. there's absolutely no reason for them to do anything otherwise. Now, we can talk about that right now, right? We yeah. don't know when Kyler Murray's going to come back. Yeah. Obviously, if I'm the Arizona training staff, if I'm Jonathan Gannon, 
I am calling Jeff Galuli and Tanya Harding and saying, <laughs> hey, that knee, he gets anywhere back near the field. You take a good whack at that knee and you make sure that he doesn't get back anytime soon. If you wanted to talk about the Cardinals win total, yeah, I'm not going to get involved with the Cardinals win total because you could end up with Kyler Murray back out there on the field, throwing to Hollywood Brown, throwing to Zach Ertz. And all of a sudden you get them in two games against the Rams and you're like, ah, crap. Now (laughs) they're going to win five games by accident. Like it's not entirely impossible in this game. My single favorite play of the week is under 38. And I know that's a small number. You show me how these teams are getting to 38 points minus turnovers, right? If it's a derp fest between Josh Dobbs and Sam Howell and you end up with a, you know, a scoop and score or a pick six. Yeah, I can see it. But other than that, you're talking about, as Steven mentioned, I think it's top three, top four front seven in the league and an Arizona team that has absolutely no offensive talent to speak of that is going to necessarily be healthy because I just mentioned Hollywood Brown and Zach Ertz, who both were limited in yeah. practice. And again, to the idea of the Cardinals wanting to lose every game, I don't see where they're going to exactly push those two guys to be on the field this week. So I love I love where you're at with the teaser leg. It's my second or third favorite teaser leg of the week. We'll get to the ones that I like more, but uh, under 38, my favorite play of the week. And and let's be let's let's be honest I'll, to back up your under thirty eight here like the old thing of riverboat Ron and all this stuff like that like that that has not been the case in three years like he's plays super conservative he doesn't do anything crazy anymore and if he can get out of this thing with a win because look his he knows his job's on the line right I mean like the they're gonna they're gonna re, redo this team from from this, including the name of this team if and everything else and so if he doesn't win. If he didn't win eight or nine games, like he's fired and he knows that. So he he's not going to get out of line in this one. And he's got two good backs in in Gibson and Robinson. And so they get up a couple scores. It's just going to be run, 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 run over and over and over and over again. So yeah, I I I would back that for sure. And by the way, there is a there is one thirty eight and a hook out there uh at FanDuel. So if you want to go ahead and, and take advantage of the hook out there, fellas, be sure you, you gotta protect that. You gotta protect the thirty eight to nothing final. Get you gotta get that hook. Yeah. <laughs> seriously, I mean seriously, it's gonna happen. Uh all right. So let's talk about a game that is a little bit more interesting. It is San Francisco 49ers and the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Niners on the road at the Steelers as two point favorites in this one. 41 and a half. 40 there are 41s out there. 41, 41 and a half is your total. Now, this is a different handicap today than it was yesterday because Nick Bosa ends up signing a massive extension and is going to be out on the field for the 49ers. A huge, huge deal that I think more people were for some reason talking about whether George Kittle was going to play or not. And I'm like, man, I don't care if Kittle plays or not. Like, what are you talking about? Like, the story is whether Bosa is going to play or not in this thing. Bosa is going to uh, to go. So that's kind of where I'm I'm at with all of this, uh, Adam. I, I want to get your thoughts here because Steven's a, a 49er homer, so we'll give him the. Oh come the, the on, second I'm, a fan. I'm not a homer. <laughs> uh, we're, 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 we're gonna we'll give him the uh, we'll give him the second go at this. I am I am mildly intrigued by the Steelers this year, and if they weren't in the division of death, I think I would probably have had them as a playoff team. But the problem is, is they play six games against really good teams, and so I just can't quite get there. But I am very interested in what Kenny Pickett and this Steelers team can do. Certainly the defense is going to be fine. And I think there's enough playmakers there so long as he doesn't stink that this team could be pretty feisty. So 
You could take the two up to eight in a home dog situation. I don't know if that's in your account or not. Remember how I told you it was my second or third favorite teaser leg of the (laughs) week with Washington? I love Pittsburgh plus eight in this spot. I mean, love, love, love Pittsburgh plus eight uh, as a teaser leg. That'll be the anchor leg for me uh, everywhere this week. And and we can talk about it either as how I feel about the Pittsburgh defense against the San Francisco offense, or you can just talk about it system-wise and say, if you're just going to look at totals and where you want to play six-point teasers, well, yeah, you're looking at a 41.5 total that you can get eight points on one side on. That's something that you probably want to consider week in and week out, whether or not you ultimately decide to make the play. So I'm going to ask you guys a question, and this is more for Matt than it is for Steven, because I think I know where Steven's going to land on it, and I don't necessarily know where Matt's going to land on it. But are we sure Brock Purdy's good? Like, are we sure that Brock Purdy is a, is a top level, this team is a Super Bowl contender quarterback? Uh no, and that uh, that has been that has been screamed from a mountaintop by this guy over here, uh, over and over and over again. That's why I have the Seahawks win in that division. It's why I have an under win total on the on the 49ers, which uh, I liked because the win total dropped by a whole game uh, after I got the under on that thing. Um, listen, it's the most important position in sports, and you have a dude that was not even supposed to basically even make the team, much less play several games last year. These defensive coordinators didn't have any tape on the guy. They weren't. They had absolutely no scouting report on the guy because he was not supposed to be out there. And that is not going to be the case this year. They're going to, they have studied this guy. They figured some things out. And they, if there are limitations, which you have to assume, because, you know, he was a seventh rounder and all, that if there's the limitations out there for Brock Purdy, They've got them figured out. And so you look at what this uh, Pittsburgh defense can bring to the table here. Good at all three levels. Uh, I, I think that they could struggle here. It wouldn't surprise me if Pittsburgh wins this thing outright. But if you want to give me eight points, Adam, I'll, I'll take the eight points. I will be happy to, to take those eight points. I'll give them to you. I will gift wrap them. I will <laughs> deliver them to your front door before we get to Sunday morning. And look. This is not to discount the value of Kyle Shanahan. It is not to discount the value of all of the very, very talented skill position players that the San Francisco 49ers have. I'm not saying that I think San San Francisco is going to show up and not win this game. I do think, however, that going on the road against this Pittsburgh defense with a healthy TJ Watt, with a healthy secondary it's a tall ask for San Francisco in week one to go out there and win this game by more than eight points. Steven, look, uh, Brock Purdy, we knew that they wanted to give him the job all along as it was. Anyway, they trade Trey Lance. He's gone, so it's going to be Purdy and Sam Darnold when it's all said and done here. Purdy coming off of the injury. They say he's fine, though not a ton of reps in the preseason or anything like that. Does that concern you at all as a 49ers fan? In week one, yeah, absolutely. Um mm-hmm. As, as great as the ceiling has been for the Niners in recent years, coming close to beating Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl, uh, coming close to beating the Rams in the NFC Championship game, and then having just the awful luck of losing Purdy in last year's title game against the Eagles, this team has started slow. They've started three and four in consecutive years. So... Am I concerned that Brock Purdy had kind of an abnormal amount of reps in training camp where he's taken two days on and one day off? Yeah, that concerns me. Am I concerned that Mike McGlinchey's gone at right tackle and they have Colton McKivitz in there who 
was not very good. He allowed a 7.5% mm-hmm. pressure rate when he was lined up at left or right tackle. That would have ranked 62nd out of 67 qualified tackles a year ago. And now he might get TJ Watt every single snap in this game across from him. Yeah, that that really concerns me. Um, so I, I also bet the Steelers teaser leg here up to eight uh, or eight and a half, depending on, on where you're looking. So I agree with that. Now, holistically on the Brock Purdy discussion, I will concede that negative regression is probably coming with his interceptions based on the turnover worthy plays he had a year ago. Nevertheless, this is still an offense with, I think you both would agree a large enough sample size at this point, especially with Jimmy Garoppolo, almost beating Patrick Mahomes at a Super Bowl, uh, that this is more about Kyle Shanahan than it is Brock Purdy and not just Kyle Shanahan, George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, Christian McCaffrey, the, in my opinion, the best assortment of weapons all around him four deep in the NFL. So um, I'm not concerned long-term, but in this particular situation with how crisp the Steelers offense looked as well, it looks like, you know, at this point I'd be surprised if Kenny Pickett doesn't take a year two leap. Uh, I, I feel queasy about the 49ers in week one. Yeah, I'm, Listen, this offensive line, I think, is pretty interesting for the 49ers, right? I mean, Trent Williams is obviously the best left tackle in the game, but he is a year older in all of that. And then secondly, outside of him, it's just a bunch of middling to lower half dudes, right? And so if if it wasn't for him, I think we would be like, oh, my God. This is going to be really bad for Brock Purdy this year. But if your blind side is protected by the best left tackle and in, in all the game, then it changes a whole lot. But I don't know if it's going to be easy sledding, running the ball and all that like it has been in the last couple of years. I, I'm really not I'm really not on board with all that. And I think then that puts a lot more pressure on Brock Purdy. And if that's the case, I don't think he's going to be that great. I just don't. And he can prove me wrong and I will come on here and I will be the first to say that I was a I completely whiffed on this one. But Adam, I mean, listen if I don't think they're going to be able to utilize the run game as effectively as they had in the last few years, and the pressure is going to put on, be put on the right arm of, of Purdy. And as you mentioned, Watt, Highsmith, all these guys that the Steelers have that can really cause havoc and stuff like this, this game could be really, really interesting. Or, I mean, I don't know why you would take the two points as opposed to just playing the money line, but if you are thinking about playing Pittsburgh outright in this game, keep an eye on the injury report. Cam Hayward uh, is on the injury report right now for for Pittsburgh, and that is an enormous difference in the middle of that Pittsburgh line. But the point overall is that if you were going to put Brock Purdy in a situation to question, is he really going to be good? Is he back? You've now given Mike Tomlin and Pittsburgh an entire offseason to get ready for this one game against the San Francisco 49ers. That's a tough, tough spot to ask a quarterback six months off elbow surgery who has less than half a season of sample build up to be the reason that you win this game again by more than eight points. If San Francisco comes out of this game winning 24 to 17, I won't be shocked at all, but I'll be cashing a teaser. Yeah, absolutely true.
Cincinnati Bengals and the Cleveland Browns, as we are recording this, you can find everything from a point and a half all the way to two and a half in favor of Cincinnati. 47 and a half is your total. Guys, we talk about this each and every week on the podcast. If you're new to us, by the way, thank you. Everything we do is absolutely free. So if you want to go ahead and hit that subscribe button, we do appreciate all of your support. I go through, there are games that I just cross off the list like right from the beginning. And this was one of the very first games I crossed off the list. Cincinnati on the road in Cleveland. I think the Browns are going to be better this year, but I don't really know. I think Joe Burrow's healthy. I don't really know. It was really weird the way that Cincinnati played that, where it was kind of like, oh, he's hurt. We carted him off. And then we don't say a word about it for three weeks. And then he just shows back up at practice. You know, he is Jesus H. Burrow. And so he just shows back up at practice and, and there he is and he's ready to go. And now he's the richest guy in NFL history. Um, I, so many unknowns for me here, Steven. I, I just can't, I can't get there. I'm very interested in this one. will be on the main TV for me because again, I think Cincinnati, I think this line is really, really good. I think what they went out and did, uh, in the offseason, pretty much all the way around. I mean, losing Bates, obviously, was was not great for this team. But outside of that, I, I think that their roster is as talented as just about any team in the NFL. And uh, Orlando Brown only makes this even better for the left tackle position for Joe Burrow. But the calf injuries are weird. You can push off one extra, like, one time or scramble, and it can, it can hit back up. I, I don't know. There's just too many things I don't know. I'm going to be a big-time fan of this one, but I'm not going to be betting it. Brown's defenses certainly had Burrow's number, too, in the last couple of years. Last season, Burrow did not throw for 250 yards in either game against Cleveland. A couple of picks. Uh, year before, he had no touchdown passes and two interceptions in the only game he played against Cleveland. He was sat out the other one in Week 18. Um, so if, if you're going by recent matchups, and there's a lot of carryover on these rosters, that's why I mentioned that. Um, the other side of this too, I agree with you. Don't really like when a quarterback doesn't get a ton of reps, uh, in the preseason, especially when it's injury related. So, um, you know, we've seen the Bengals similar to the 49ers stumble early in September and then turn it on and get things clicking, um, including losing to Cooper rush a year ago, uh, the backup cowboy for the Dallas Cowboys. And then, but on the flip side as well, I, I'm not ready to back Cleveland with Deshaun Watson at quarterback. I agree that the rest of this roster looks really strong, but something just, uh, this is just totally narrative based by me. You guys can shoot holes in it if you want, please, by all means, if you disagree. But just something with the reporting out of Cleveland with how he's looked in the offense and um, meshing with Kevin Stefanski's system, you know, despite now having an entire offseason, we still have not gotten a lot of positive reports about Deshaun Watson running this offense. So um, I'm not just assuming that we're going to get prime Houston Texans Deshaun Watson now at this point. Yeah, no, I, I mean, me neither. But the thing is, I just don't know. And so because I don't know, I'm going to, that's yeah, why I don't want I'm anything out. to do with it. Um, Adam, if we look, I mean, again, if we're talking about on paper, we know Cincinnati's roster is loaded, but if you look at the Brown side of things, there are players on the defensive side of the ball. Of course, Miles Garrett is still over there. You have Newsom, you got Ward, you got Thornhill and Delpit. I mean, there, there are some players on that side of the ball for sure. And then on the offensive side, 
Yes, question marks around Watson, but no question marks about around Nick Chubb. No question marks around this offensive line that's going to be really good. And then David Njoku had a, a, resur- like a, a rebirth season last year. Amari Cooper is Amari Cooper. He's going to be a top 12-ish receiver in the NFL no matter what. And if you believe beat reporters, Elijah Moore really came alive in the, in, in the training camp this year as well to give him yet another, uh, yet, yet another weapon. What do you look at in this game? And like, just while we're at it, cause we didn't get you on some of the preseason pods. What do you think of this Browns team kind of overall? And what do you think of them as we, as we move forward? So I'll take you a little bit inside how I do my stuff preseason and kind of try to measure where am I versus where the rest of the market is. I go through and I, I'll do my power ratings. You know, I consume plenty of off season mm-hmm. stuff. I read a lot, I podcasts and so on and so on, but I try to be, as agnostic as possible when I go through and do my own initial numbers. And I found myself right on the market with Mm -hmm. Cleveland, right? Like there are some teams that we're going to get to later on that I'm way higher and way lower on, but I think I'm just about in the right spot on Cleveland because of Deshaun Watson. That's it. Mm -hmm. Uh, That, you know, I love the fact that we bring in a new defensive coordinator in Jim Schwartz to work with this defense and hopefully get way more out of the talent than they did last year, because that was one of the bigger disappointments of the entire season was how bad the Cleveland defense was. But I think there's probably got to be some questions about not only Watson, but as Steven mentioned, the Stefanski Watson marriage is not a a new thing to Mm -hmm. to have a discussion about here, right? Like we're we're talking about is the guy under center versus is he in shotgun? Is he running RPOs versus, you know, is he being asked to drop back and pass? There are some philosophical questions that I think make this an evaluation game that make it a great one to watch because if you wanted to make a case to me for taking Cleveland plus eight and a half, I would understand your case. If you wanted to lay it with Cincinnati on the road, I would understand your case. I'm not going to follow you with my bet, but I can understand the logic of where you're coming from in that case. So you mentioned the division of death. It obviously is right there for Cleveland to win this division, for Cincinnati to win this division, for Baltimore to win this Mm -hmm. division, and in a little black swan case for Pittsburgh to win this division as well. But this week in particular, how am I handling this game from, from a betting perspective? I think it's a props game. I think you can probably pull a few things out. Um, I know this is going to sound a little bit on the jockey side, but how much do you think Joe Burrow is going to really be testing that calf out this week? Yeah. Right. I, I have a feeling that the instruction None. is going to be get rid of yeah. the damn ball. Do not run for first downs. Right now, the rushing prop is sitting nine and a half. He would have to be taking off multiple times to get mm-hmm. to that number in this game. I think you're going to see him throwing the ball away. So I think it's little spots like that that you can look at here between Cleveland and Cincinnati. Yeah. Listen, there's like it's kind of one of those deals where I think for me, there is at least one element of known versus an element of unknown. So if someone said like, okay, here's, here's a hundred free dollars. You have to bet it. I'd probably take Cincinnati. Cause at least there is more known on that side to me. Like I know what I'm getting in Joe Burrow and Jamar chase and all that. Like at least there's that, but I just, uh, you know, I think this is appropriate. I think the number is on. And so I'm just going to, uh, I'm going to sit back and, and enjoy this one. Carolina Panthers and the Atlanta Falcons right now. The Atlanta Falcons are three and a half. They are on the other side of that three favorites over the Carolina Panthers. 39 and a half is your total. Adam, we know we are getting a rookie quarterback for the Panthers. We are getting a basically a first time starter for the Falcons and Desmond Ritter and the Carolina Panthers from what they did in the offseason kind of make you think that they think that they have a chance to be a a good team this year. They went and signed like 
older kind of veteran dudes. It wasn't like they were building for two years from now. Like when you go get Miles Sanders and Adam Thielen and some of these guys like that, it's like, you're, you think you can win like today. Cause those guys don't even have two years like left in the tank. And so some interesting moves by them. Everybody's super hot on the Falcons, uh, B. John Robinson, Kyle Pitts, Drake London, uh, a bunch of playmakers there on the offensive side of the ball. And they did go make some, some strides on the defensive side from a, from a free agent standpoint. Let's talk about this from the perspective of the Carolina Panthers first, because you just talked about the veterans that they signed. I think it's a smart team building move because you made this enormous investment in Bryce Young, right? You, you paid Chicago to go up and get the number one pick and you're bringing in a new head coach in Frank Reich. And I think you need to give Frank Reich every opportunity to evaluate Bryce Young as quickly as possible. Now, some people would say, hey, maybe the best way to do that would have been to hold on to DJ Moore, but you didn't yeah. have that choice. Like Chicago drove the deal yeah. on getting DJ Moore as someone to use to evaluate Justin Fields when they talk about how they're building their team. So I can see trying to put a little bit of help around it. That said, they didn't put enough help around Bryce Young, I don't think, to get a real great read on him. I don't think this offensive line is going to be all that fantastic, but I cannot get to the point of seeing the Falcons as more than a field goal favorite here. The hype train for me is way, way too fast on the Falcons, and it's largely because of Desmond Ritter, right? I, I think basically what you're doing here with the Falcons is you're trying to, in your head, recreate a San Francisco situation, mm -hmm. right? Great skill position players, and the line is improving and is better, and you've got a good offensive mind in Arthur Smith. But what if you had seen nothing out of Brock Purdy? That's what you have with Desmond Ritter right now. You have seen absolutely nothing encouraging out of Desmond Ritter. You haven't seen it in the preseason. You didn't see it last year. And there are far too many people for my tastes going out there and saying, oh, well, if Desmond Ritter just makes the jump to a league average quarterback, what have you seen to suggest that he's a bottom half of the league quarterback right now? You've seen nothing to that effect. And you're also asking a lot of this defense, which was not good at all last year, and has added a lot of good pieces. I think it's, you know, you have to speak for what they did in free agency and say you added in the right places, right? You added on the defensive line, you added with a quality safety, but I don't know that you necessarily can make the jump to say in week one, this defense will be ready to go. I'm passing on this game entirely. Yeah, Stephen, if we take a look, I mean, it, the one thing I guess if you want to try to paint a rosy picture here for, for, the, for the Panthers would be, we typically see these like stud rookie offensive linemen. If they're actually going to be studs, they take a pretty, pretty big leap in year two, like the rookie years kind of figuring things out. And then year two, they kind of take a pretty big leap. Iki Aquanu at the left tackle position was, was not bad in a, as a rookie. And then like, again, they, they, they typically take a pretty big step in, in year two, if they're going to be good. And so you could kind of look at that. You've got, uh, you've got, you've got Chark and you've got Mingo and like, you've got these uh, Sanders, you got, they went and got Hayden Hurst as well. So it's kind of like they put enough, I think around uh, Bryce Young on that side. And of course the defense for the Panthers, you can't really question what the, what the defense is going to bring to the table here. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty stacked defense actually uh, outside of Dante Jackson at, at corner, which actually he just had a really bad season last year. He's been kind of like a league average corner. He's never been good, but he's been a league average corner, at least the majority of his career and was just uh, towards the bottom of the year last year. So if he can have a bounce back, then I think you're you're feeling pretty good about this defense. I just can't – I'm like, I can't get to over a field goal with this Falcons team sight unseen. Like, unless 
it could be this most di- the, this dynamic offense that everybody's saying that it could. It very well could be. I'm not going to say that it, it won't. I mean, listen, you have a freak at the running back position. You have a freak at the tight end position. And I think Drake London's really good as well. So it, it, it could be. I haven't seen it, so I'm not going to make that jump quite yet. I'm willing to pay to see if the Falcons can win by more than a field goal as well. I'm with you guys. I bet mm-hmm. Carolina plus three and a half. To be honest with you, I was going to tell you that this was the spread bet of the week I felt the least confident about, but you both made me feel a lot better all of a sudden. So I appreciate that. Uh, but I, I mostly agree with you guys. I mean, uh, Carolina's defense returns a ton of talent and I love the coaching upgrade too. Everybody's talking about Frank Wright coming in as head coach, but to get a Vero Evero over from Denver mm-hmm. to steal their defensive coordinator to do what he did with Denver's defense, despite having such a putrid offense, was really phenomenal work. And now he gets a, a defense that has just as much talent, I think, as, as Denver's. So, and a unit that was top five in run stop win rate a year ago. And we know Atlanta's going to want to run the heck out of the ball. So, combine mm-hmm. that with Atlanta and their pace statistics from, from last year. If, if Art Smith's going to do that again, it's really not a recipe for for winning by more than a field goal very often. He was 27th in overall pace. He was the slowest pace in the NFL when leading by a touchdown or more, increasing the opportunities for a team to come back and, and cover a number like this. And even when they were trailing by seven-plus points, he was still 24th in pace. So you're shrinking games, you're increasing variance in these games by week to week. And it's just not a recipe for blowing teams out. So um, to to Adam's point about Desmond Ritter, agree with that as well. I looked, I sat back and looked at all of the steam on the season long props and the win totals on the Falcons. And, you know, to me, it just seems so much schedule based. They have the number two easiest schedule by opponent win totals. Cause I couldn't find anything to really be so bullish about the Falcons in the same way that people were about the Eagles last year with the talent that was on the Eagles Mm -hmm. roster. So I think it's very much schedule based here with Atlanta and I'm willing to pay to see if Art Smith's willing to open things up a little bit offensively here. Um, But the last question I'll ask you, Matt, about this game is Mm -hmm. we at least should acknowledge that the Carolina offense with a new head coach and a rookie quarterback did not exactly instill confidence in the preseason. I'm just curious if you care about that at all. Yeah, no, it's, listen, I I think you take some of the stuff in the preseason, like with a grain of salt, and certainly rookie quarterback stuff for me, trying to get used to the NFL or whatever, I don't, it doesn't really affect me all that much. I try not to be biased by a dude who's stepping out into, you know, the deep end, like right off the bat, and so it doesn't really bother me all that much. I think from a from a prop standpoint, though, guys, like, Unlike what we saw with the Lions and Gibbs, where for whatever reason they didn't want to to use him as much, like we're going to see a lot of B. John Robinson, right? Like I don't think that we're going to see this offense that B. John Robinson doesn't have sixteen I mean, to eighteen touches. Like you would think, like that. Carry, be it, be it carries, yeah, be it like carry, yeah, because his any his his rush and receiving yards prop is eighty eight, and like. It would shock me if he didn't have 88 combined yards, like be, between rushing and receiving in this thing. Like it would shock. But me. Didn't, I, I think. But didn't Art Smith criminally? I think he gets 18 to 20 touches. Didn't Art Smith criminally underutilize Kyle Pitts last year though? And wasn't there already talk about 
Tyler Algier getting some run by Art Smith earlier this year. So I get you, theory of rational coaching, this should be a slam dunk. But I'm still a little concerned that Art Smith's trying to, you know, overthink things here a little bit. Yeah, I'm. I, I that could be the case. I just hear all the stuff about him running out of the slot and like you know whatever. Like they line. If you go and look at the stats from last year, guys, like I know it didn't really show up. I actually think that they utilized Pitts fairly correctly. If you look at how many where they just lined him up straight up out wide as a wide receiver, like he lined up like fifty percent of the time just at, like straight up as a wide receiver and like it, creating huge mismatches. And I'm wondering if we don't see sets Adam where it's like. Drake London on one side, Kyle Pitts on another, and then B. John Robinson in the slot. And, like, now the defenses are going to be like, what in the hell do we do, like, with, with this? So, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm just maybe I'm just trying to think if I ran this team, like what I would do. And, uh, you know, but but I, I've, I've at least heard that he was going to play a decent amount of slot. That's one of those things that I think is a great evaluation thing where we look at week one and we see what mm-hmm. Arthur Smith wants to do. So, let's talk about the Falcons side of that for a second. I think the opportunity this week, if you want to play it, if you just feel like you want to have something on this game, I think the opportunity is actually on Tyler Algier because I, I think right. you know that Atlanta wants to run the ball and the steam is going to all blow up on Bijan Robinson. Everyone who's watched a preseason highlight knows that Bijan Robinson is there, but you know they're going to run. And if Tyler Algier is going to get 12 carries in this game, I would be stunned mm-hmm. if he did not get between, let's say, between 10 and 12 carries. Now, on the other side of this thing, just to add one wrinkle to what you guys said about Frank Wright coming in on the offensive side, keep in mind, uh, Thomas Davis comes over as the offensive coordinator uh, from the McVeigh tree. I read some stuff in the preseason about there being a little bit of a philosophical break between Reich and between Davis. Reich, a head coach who likes a little more traditional offense, Davis wanting to be a little more McVeigh-like and open things up in the past. That's something for me where I would definitely want to see a little bit more before I try to evaluate what's going on uh, with Carolina. Yeah, it's just, I'm, it's a weird game in which I like, I'm not going to bet it, but I really feel like I should be on the, on the Carolina side. I if all, if all this off season steam is correct though, Atlanta better win this game. Let's put it that way. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. If you have an Atlanta win total, then you better you this this better be a win for you. That's for sure. Houston Texans and the Baltimore Ravens. We probably won't spend a ton of time on this one. Nine and a half or 10, 43 and a half for 44 is your total. Adam, if we take a look at this, I mean, look, Baltimore's going to win. It's just, can they cover the 10? I don't want to play that game. How hard do they play down the stretch? I don't know. Uh, what do the Texans look like in comeback mode? We have no idea because it's going to be a bunch of guys we've never seen before. Uh, it's, this is like another one of those games. First thing I did was scratch it off. For me, it's not even about philosophy or anything else. This is about the injury report. There, there are way too many guys on the injury report for yeah. me to have any idea what's going to happen. You've got Mark Andrews on the injury report. You've got Odell Beckham on the injury report. You've got Mechie on the other side for Houston on the injury report. I don't know who's playing. I don't know if CJ Stroud's any good yet. I have no idea what they're going to do with Lamar, with Todd Munkin coming in as the new offensive coordinator. Uh, Straight up evaluation game. Yeah, the only thing I can tell you is if you want to start out one and zero in your survivor, then then play the Ravens. That 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 I can tell you that like they're they're going to win. I just don't know if they're going to win by ten points or not. Stephen, what say you? They're not winning by ten points. Houston. Look at this. Uh, you would. <laughs> you would. I you thought you would. would know me by now, Matt. Here's here's the problem. Now you gotta watch the damn thing. Like now you gotta now you have to sit and watch the damn game. 
I mean, that's another reason for me not to play it. I don't want to have to watch the thing. Season three debut together, Matt. I thought you would have guessed this by <laughs> now, man. I mean, plug the nose and bet the Houston Texans plus 10. I, I, I said in the offseason when this was nine and a half, if it got to 10, I'd be tempted. You know, you and I talked about teams that we think could be in, in the mold of the Lions in recent years where they're not going to have a very good win loss record, but they play hard for four quarters and, and, they're going to have a decent shot of, of covering big spreads like this. And we're, we're finally there with Houston, I think. You know, the, we don't have to watch any more putrid quarterback play. I'm at least fairly high on, on C.J. Stroud to at least be a capable passer of the football in the NFL. Seemed like most of the, of the draft reports were that he was the most accurate passer in this draft. Um, I love Damian Pierce in the running game. I, I still have a bit of questions about the offensive line for Houston, but they've certainly spent close to the, the most money on the offensive line of any team in the NFL. So they should be at least serviceable if the money was spent properly. Um, but to your point with Baltimore, I mean, I, I don't look at this Baltimore defense and see the 2000 Super Bowl Ravens who were a vaunted defense. Mm -hmm. I don't think this defense okay. is unstoppable. I have major question marks about their secondary and guys who had less than 70 PFF grades a year ago and cornerback Rocky Sin and, and Brandon Stevens as well. Their edge rushers, I think, are very much to be determined. Um, so I and you mentioned a couple of the guys banged up on offense as well. Give me the 10 points here and let's see what happens, because I, I think. um I think this is a, a team where overs are in play for Baltimore, and I don't have a ton of fear in this defense. Adam, I will say this, and just kind of we can turn this into like some some of these teams we can give kind of our, our, our thoughts just overall on them moving forward. I do think this thing that we're hearing and this kind of narrative that we've heard all offseason that this Ravens team is just going to automatically turn into a much better passing team is a little overblown, right? Because we heard that when they went and got Rashad Bateman and that didn't happen. It's like, oh, well, now you got Zay Flowers and Od Odell Beckham. Well, I mean, listen, do we have any idea whether Odell Beckham still has anything left in the tank or not? He's a 30-year-old receiver coming off of two major injuries. And Zay Flowers is, is a slot guy. I mean, he can do some stuff. I mean, like, you can only do so much from if you're primarily, primarily just a slot guy or whatever. Like, I'm just not like saying, oh, automatically they're going to be a better team. And just because Lamar Jackson came out and said he wants to throw for 5,000 yards this year. Well, that's great, Lamar. That's probably not the best way for y'all to win games. So honestly, if you have to throw for 5,000 yards. And so uh, that's kind of a narrative that's happened for this offseason that I'm not completely buying into. There are a lot of stats that we could throw out there about how well the Ravens have played when Lamar Jackson has been healthy. I don't think we need to do that. Yeah. It's been pretty well established on this podcast how we feel about Lamar Jackson. What I will say is that a couple of weeks in, when we've had a chance to look at the offense, hopefully healthy enough to have some sense, I want to see if Marlon Humphrey gets back because I think that mm -hmm. is maybe one of the single most important players to any team's prospects that we're going That's to look fair. at this year because that becomes a really weak secondary without Marlon Humphrey in there. Uh, that's why I'm not involved in week one, but I could find myself being a big, big, big Ravens believer if we see some of those positive growth aspects mm -hmm. on the field uh, come the first couple of weeks. Listen, if I, if I watch this game and Odell looks even 
90% of the old Odell, this could change my thought completely. I just don't think that's going to be the case, but who knows? Look, I mean, he's, he's a freak athlete and maybe he just heals way, way, way better and faster than most people of that age and that are coming off those injuries, but I'll have to see it to believe it. Bet basketball, baseball, or hockey with a risk-free bet up to $600 at BetMGM. Sign up and use bonus code THELINES and you're on your way with the king of sportsbooks. Get the BetMGM app today and use promo code THELINES to make a risk-free bet up to $600. This is a new customer offer. Paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia only excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem. Call one 800 522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. And 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa and Tennessee. Call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. You're listening to the Lines.com Podcast Network. Looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top U.S. sportsbooks all in one place? Then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust. Check out the Lines.com NFL Megapod as Matt Brown, Stephen Andrus, and Adam Candy break down every game for this weekend's football slate. Join the Coast to Coast podcast crew Mondays through Fridays as Nate Weitzer and Josh Lander bring you the best player props and game lines for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. And tune in to Beat the Closing Line twice a week as Nicole Russo, Mo Nawara, and Eli Hershkovich dive into NFL opening lines, plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lines Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports better. Green Bay Packers and the Chicago Bears. This is interesting, fellas. Bears are point, point and a half favorites in this game over the Packers. 42 is your prevailing total. Steven, we know the Packers are dealing with a couple of injuries at the wide receiver position, and that has people a little uh, shaky on backing them in this thing, and probably rightfully so. Uh, not a ton of depth there for this Packers squad outside of Dobbs and Watkins, which are uh, Will Watkins? Yes. Yeah. What, who the, what the hell? Is Watson. Watson. Christian Watson. Watson's, Watson. Um, that is uh, both those guys dealing with some injuries. And I, you know, listen, there's probably still some question marks around whether people think that Jordan Love's good or not. I bet Packers money line early in the week. And then the injury report popped up and you see Watson and, and Dobbs on there. And, and I don't feel good about it now. I think I bet it too early to be yeah. honest with you. I, I felt like I was probably in a rush to get some plus money on the Packers because I had them rated above the bears to start the year in my power rankings. Um, but when we're dealing with one or one and a half points each way on the line, you're not sacrificing much if you're late to it, right? Mm -hmm. So I I would have much preferred to have seen that injury report uh, and then paid a little bit more juice on the money line potentially than where I'm at right now with a better price and not sure how close to 100% these two receivers are. Maybe it's precautionary since it's week one, but um, you know we're recording this on late Thursday night. Most weeks we'll be recording it on Friday afternoon where we'll have a better idea of the injury reports. Mm -hmm. But as we record this right now, um, we, we don't have the Friday injury report for the Packers. So it's definitely something to monitor with Watson and Dobbs. 
Uh, Adam, if we look at the Bears, they got a lot of steam in the offseason. This was some people who were thinking they're going to make a big leap. All we have to do is look at their win total. It's sitting at seven and a half, and they were a three-win team last year, right? And so they're looking to, to make a pretty big leap in the, in this. They went and signed some guys on the defense side of the ball, not in the positions that you normally see people sign. Like, I mean, it wasn't pass rushers. It was like linebackers and stuff, whatever. But, I mean, look, it's more talent, and more talent is better than what they had last year. There's no doubt about that. And, uh, of course, now there's no really excuse that there's not a receiver for Justin Fields because DJ Moore is in there and DJ Moore we know is a bona fide NFL receiver. So how do you feel overall about this bears team? And what do you think about this one point spread? Ready for my two most strongly held takes of the season when it comes to teams that happen to be playing each other here in oh, week I love one. It. I love it. Okay, here we go. Let's start. Let's start with the Chicago bears. Uh, as you mentioned, all the offseason steam, right? And I can understand. You look at Justin Fields, you see the talent, you know what an otherworldly runner he can be. You then look and see, wow, one in seven in one-score games last year and think, well, the positive regression's got to come back to to help them there. And you look and see, okay, well, the NFC North is not nearly as strong with Aaron Rodgers gone and a Minnesota team that somehow went 11-0 in one-score games last year. And then you realize what you're doing is you're trying to make Chicago better than it is. Mm -hmm. You're trying to make this roster better than it is. You're trying to make Justin Fields a passer that he has not shown at the NFL level that he can be. You're trying to make this offensive line better than it is, and it's already beaten up a little bit. So my single strongly, most strongly held take of the year, Chicago is wildly overrated, Mm -hmm. wildly, wildly overrated. I will be taking any under that someone would like to give me on season win total. Uh, I will be taking unders on Justin Fields passing yards at just about every opportunity that I can get. I do not believe in this team at all. This game in particular this week is the biggest power rating difference that I have. Uh, I have a three point uh, gap for where the market is at Chicago one. I have this green Bay two, uh, and I'm going to do a little bit of wishing on my other strongly held take. Not as much as people are doing on Justin Fields, but just a little bit of wishing on the Green Bay Packers. Uh, I don't know if anywhere will still have division win totals up after the Lions played tonight, but Packers are sitting roughly five to one uh, to win the North at a couple of places. If you can still get your hands on that, I like that bet quite a lot. I think the Packers are going to be much better than people expect this year. I think this is a playoff team based on how the NFC North shapes up, based on how their schedule shapes up. I don't know if Jordan Love is great, but I'm going to tell you this much. I don't think Jordan Love is terrible. And I think with the rest of this roster, with the defense in particular, this is a team that is primed in a bad NFC to be able to win 9-10 games. I don't think they're going to be elite but I also don't think they're going to be terrible. And I think there's going to be a rush after this week to tell you how good the Lions are when they didn't really do a lot of great things against the Kansas City Chiefs tonight. I think there's going to be a rush to try to continue to make Justin Fields better than he is. And I also believe that if this game plays out the way that it should, I'm going to say should because of health, should, that you would lose that opportunity to bet Green Bay full season uh, that you were probably going to have before this game. Now, Watson is injured. Romeo Dobbs is injured. David Bakhtiari is on the injury report. Yeah. There's too much uncertainty for me to bet Green Bay this week in particular, which I kind of hate. Now, if we get some better reports come Friday, come Saturday on Watson and on Dobbs, yeah, yeah, then I'm going to be right there with Steven on a Green Bay money line. 
Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, listen, it's a pretty good offensive line that he's going to be throwing behind. I don't think that we're like everyone just assumes Jordan Love's not good because he didn't. He was a first round pick that didn't start. He was behind friggin' Aaron Rodgers. I mean, like, what? Nobody starts over Aaron Rodgers. I mean, like, it's like this is. They they went up. They made a move because they liked what they saw. They didn't know if Aaron Rodgers was going to continue to play. Aaron Rodgers did continue to play. It just kind of is what it is, right? I mean. I, 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 this thing that like Jordan Love is obviously terrible because he had to sit is crazy to me because he sat behind Aaron Rodgers. It's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Like, I mean, it's just, it's crazy to me. I think this team, as long as those receivers aren't garbage in year two, which at times they flash good and at times they flash garbage in year one. And so as long as they're not garbage in year two, I think that they can do uh, pretty well. You hear a lot of narrative, Matt, about teams going from worst to first in the NFL. But very rarely do we see the worst go to first in the division yeah, the yeah, following year. Yeah, and yeah. the Packers had the number one pick last year. I'm sorry, the, yeah. the Bears. Bears, yeah. Philadelphia Eagles on the road at the New England Patriots. It is sitting four across the board, except if you are in a Superbook market, three and a half is the line. 45 is your total. Adam, I I bet the Eagles way back when opening lines came out, I thought this was going to run in the direction of Philadelphia. I was wrong. Uh, It it opened at four. It briefly touched four and a half, came back to three and a half for a little bit, but it's pretty much stayed four. I I don't know what I'm missing here. I think the Eagles are by far the most talented team in the NFL on paper. I think that the Patriots are, like, as far as a talent perspective, it is a massive gap between the Eagles and the Patriots. And I get it. It's a, it's a road dog and it's going into Foxborough and they're going to do something special for Tom Brady and all that, whatever, yada, yada, yada. I don't really care. I think this Eagles team is going to score a ton of points this year. That defense is ridiculously talented. It is so incredibly good. If you want to poke holes in them, yeah, they had to replace two coordinators, but if you have to come in as a new coordinator, Hey, here's the best roster in the NFL. Like, here you go. Have, have your way with it. Um, I like this Eagles team a lot, and I, I'm, you know, I think the four is a gift, but I guess I could be proven wrong. Prove, prove me wrong. I'm, I'm not really in the mood to, to prove <laughs> you wrong. I mean, uh, let me, let me add to what you're talking about with the coordinators, right? Uh, talking about Johnson, the new offensive coordinator. I mean, comes out of the system, right? This, this is a guy who was the quarterbacks coach who knows Jalen Hurts very well. There's going to be continuity to be had there. Sean Desai has a good reputation as well. I don't think you're talking about having to make massive adjustments here with the coordinators in the same way that you would in a completely new regime. Now, let's talk about what's going on with New England. It's the same wishing that we were talking about with Chicago. The Bill O'Brien thing is a wish. You want him to fix Mac Jones. You want Mac Jones to be the quarterback he was in the first eight or nine games of his rookie season. But he doesn't have any skill players around him, right? Is there any one skill position player on the New England offense who you feel like is going to help elevate Mac Jones into the quarterback that you think he could be? I don't see it. And I think the narrative behind the points going toward, uh, I should say, the game being bet down from where it was down to four or three and a half in some spots with points getting in New England's pocket is the idea that Belichick has the whole offseason to prepare for this, that Belichick has the kind of defense that could cause a problem. Yeah, again, it's narrative-driven. There's nothing about the talent between these two teams on the field that suggests that the New England Patriots should be able to keep this within a touchdown. So, also, I've talked a lot about, is it a chase team? 
There is nothing about the New England Patriots that suggests they're going to be able to chase if they get behind the Philadelphia Eagles. I haven't bet it yet. Uh, I have a feeling I might by the time this comes around because we've already seen the move get close enough to a field goal that I'm just going to wait and see if we get a field yeah. goal. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm with you. I mean, Steven, listen, I know we reference pro football focus a lot on this and, and it's not the end all be all, but it's a good reference for things. And you, they do player grades and basically green is good. Dark green is really, really good. And then blue is elite. And then you pull up the Eagles and everybody's friggin' green or blue. Like I mean, the whole damn team is like good or elite on both sides of the ball. And, and like, it's the best offensive line in the league. Hertz was a, I mean, was just a beast last year, made really great decisions at quarterback. You got elite receivers. The defensive side is just ridiculously loaded. I just don't know what people are seeing in this Patriots team other than the Bill Belichick factor, which don't get me wrong, is worth something. He is the greatest, one of the greatest coaches of all time for a reason, but you got to have dudes. Like sooner or later, you got to have dudes, and he just, he just doesn't have the dudes. Wrong team may have won the Super Bowl last year. Now, that's a weird thing to, you know, I'm being hyperbolic here, but the Eagles lost the Super Bowl by a possession and they gave up a flugy defensive touchdown. So let's not forget how elite this, this Eagles offense was a year ago. And to what appears to be credit for the Patriots defense for the line movement we're seeing here with the buyback from four and a half. Heard a decent amount of content creators talking about the Patriots based on the Eagles having played an easy schedule last year and liking the Patriots to cover this week. I'll just remind everybody that likes Bill Belichick and this Patriots defense that of the eight games they won last year, seven of those wins were against terrible quarterbacks. Mitch Trubisky, Jacoby Brissett, Zach Wilson twice, Sam Ellinger, Colt McCoy and Teddy Bridgewater. It's a good list. So it's a good list. Whatever. <laughs> it's a good. It's a good. It's a. Good, it's a good list of guys you want on like your beer league like softball team or something or whatever. But like not like quarterbacking your NFL team. <laughs> I mean, I don't. Who gives a damn what the Patriots' defensive stats were last year? Considering that, and now you have to play an offensive line and a rushing offense. That was so damn efficient last year that their EPA per play rushing the ball was better than more than 20 teams EPA per play passing the ball. They just took people's souls a year ago with how good they were running the ball. So I'm probably going to bet three and a half, to be honest with you. I I need the best number. I'm trying to, you know, be good with process here. I'm not going to just be running and betting the Eagles no matter what. They're going to be a lot more expensive this year than they were last year. It's still a road game. So I have to pick my spots on where I want to back the Eagles because we're, you know, we're, these are just numbers that we didn't see for most of the year last year. Um, But three and a half seems fine to me. Uh, Adam, listen, here's, here's the thing. So let's, let's say you're buying in on this Patriots defense. Let's just, let's, let, let's, let's have the guys that are back in the Patriots and let's give them their credit. Okay. So you're buying down on this Patriots defense, but you can't honestly think that they're going to hold this Eagles team completely down because no one held this Eagles team down and they're not going to do it in week one. So where do the points come from for them to keep this within four points? Like where, where do the offensive points come from? Well, you're actually leading me to the point that I would say, if you really believe 
in the New England defense, right? If you think that, okay, I trust Belichick and he's had a whole offseason to prepare, play it under. Play this yeah. game under because the New England Patriots are not scoring against Philadelphia, period. End of story. Give me team totals under. Give me props under. Give me anything you want under on New England because the one thing that I absolutely feel confident about is that Mac Jones is going to wish he was in Tuscaloosa, Alabama by the end of this game. All right, let's take a look here at the Rams and the Seahawks. The Seahawks are currently anywhere from four to five. So you can see a, a whole point difference, five being that no man's land, four being that semi-key number. 46, 46 and a half is the total in this one. Guys, this one also in my account. Um, Seahawks at four in the account. And listen, we talked about how bad and and how terrible the Cardinals defense is going to be. It can only be it can only be rivaled by what the Rams are going to put on the field, and it would be the Rams if it wasn't for Aaron Donald. And if, if they didn't have one at least absolute massive stud, the Rams would have the worst defense in the NFL. And you know, you take a look at this, Stephen. I don't, I don't understand how this thing is kind of going back the other way in favor of the Rams, which it is um, at this point. When you when you look at that defense, like I don't care what you think of Geno Smith, I don't care what everybody is going to score on this Rams defense. Like every every team that they play is going to score on this Rams defense. It's not it doesn't matter whether you think that Geno Smith is going to regress because he did kind of like stumble down the stretch last year and there were a lot of turnover worthy plays, et cetera, et cetera. He had two rookie tackles, as we, same we were talking about earlier. These guys supposedly get better in year two. You can't argue the skill position players. You add Jackson Smith and Jigba. What they added on the defensive side of the ball, by the way, they've drafted great on the defensive side of the ball. They're they're looking much better as well. No Cooper Cup for this Rams team. I, I mean, I don't know, man. Again, I, I, I these might all be trap games for me, and I might just be like coming on here and hat in hand after week one, just going, hell, I didn't see that happening. But again, I think the Seahawks win this thing, and I think they thump the Rams like big time. Pretty sure that Seattle was minus six in this situation at home against the Rams last year with no Matthew Stafford, no Cooper Cup. Um, so obviously no Cooper Cup again. This time is two points more enough when Matthew Stafford's back starting in the game, but has a bunch of below average people that he has to throw to on offense. I Oh, by the way, Seattle's young defense is a year older and, you know, Woolen and company uh, are probably better going into year two. And you add another dynamic weapon with Jackson Smith and Jigba, who is now healthy, it appears, uh, after a bit of a preseason scare. So, yeah, it would only be Seahawks for me. I, I just don't know what confidence you can have in Matthew Stafford without Cooper Cup with what's around him at this point. Not to mention that we talked about in the preseason shows, Matt, that the offensive line doesn't really appear to be all that improved after no. it was just a turnstile last year, getting Matthew Stafford killed. So, yeah, it's it's Seahawks or nothing for me. I don't have a bet in the account right now for it, but like the Eagles, man, I'm, I'm staring real hard at this side. Adam, Van Jefferson, Tutu Atwell, and Puka Nakua are going to be the three starting wide receivers for the Rams. And uh, 
Name me another name, name me somebody outside Aaron Donald on the defensive side of the ball as well. I mean, it's just it's it is I mean, it is it's bad, bad, bad. And I think this team is gonna be one of those this doesn't have no, nothing to do with this week in this game, but I think this team gets sold off for parts at the trade deadline. I think Aaron Donald's gonna end up on a different team. I, I think that there's a, a lot to to break down here, but it's specifically this week. I don't see how they compete. I mean, again, maybe Matthew Stafford is completely healthy and maybe a Puka Nakua is going to end up being the, the receiver that I had no idea he could be, but uh, I, I doubt it. I doubt it. All right, so let's let's play out the bull case for the Rams here, and I'll give you an alternative way to bet this game so that I'm not mm-hmm. saying the same things that, that you guys have said, right? Let's just say that Sean McVay has been able to find the weakness in the Seattle defense and maybe that Jamal Adams isn't really healthy yet. And maybe Tariq Woolen had a great first season, but Sean McVay has identified exactly how to go after him. Okay, I mean, I'll give you all of it. I'll give you that Matthew Stafford might be a backdoor cover machine. Right, right, right. Maybe he can throw the ball. Maybe Sean McVay is so good that he can scheme enough guys open. He wasn't able to do it last year without uh, Matthew Stafford. So let's give you all of that. If you don't like what you see there, play it under. Play it under. And let me tell you why you play the under 46 and a half here. Think about who is coaching the other team. It's Pete Carroll. And what has Pete Carroll shown you? As soon as Pete Carroll has more than a score lead, he is going to run the ball like it's 1944. And he and got a he new present to- in the draft. He got a new toy. Oh, he did. He, yeah. he, uh, it, I think it was it a Sauvignon. Blanc? Oh no, a Chardonnay. He got a Chardonnay. Uh, he got a Chardonnay in the, uh, in the draft. Yeah. So you gave him a brand new Chardonnay, uh, in the draft. And even if Kenneth Walker is on the injury report going into this week, if they end up up 27 to three, like Geno Smith, isn't even going to be on the field anymore. They're just going to direct snap to the running backs over and over and over again. And yes, I'm being hyperbolic when I talk about yeah. that, but I see no way in which the Rams can score. So if you want to play under for the Rams, then play under team total. Play under if, you, if you're just not confident enough to lay it with Seattle. But am I going to argue with you guys if you want to lay it with Seattle? Not at all. All right. So this one is a very interesting game. And this one, fellas, is the Miami Dolphins and Los Angeles Chargers. This thing is sitting three right now. It's a 51 total this is two teams with a ton of steam, and I gotta admit, this is this these are two teams with steam that I actually are are behind, right? Like these are two teams that I actually can understand why they're steamed up. If you look at this Chargers team, dude, I mean, it's a truck. Whenever you look at the talent on the field, now it, will we actually see them put it to good use? We shall see. You bring in Kellen Moore, it was atrocious last year it was a crime it was that Lombardi should be put in football jail for what he did with this offense last year you have one of the biggest armed arms at quarterback in the entire NFL and he had 26th average depth of target even though you have one of the best 50 50 guys in the history of the wide receiver position in Mike Williams I mean that's better all he does well but hell he can go up and get 50 50 balls there's no doubt about that then you get the Dolphins and if you back if you go back and you look at this Dolphins team guys and I know you already have but when Tua was on the field, this team was really good. And it was just like, it was just when Tua wasn't out there, they weren't any good. And he's going to be out there at least in game one. What happens after that, we don't know. I love this game. I want nothing to do with this game, Adam, when it comes to betting it. But boy, am I excited for this one. I am like, I am all in on this game in week one. I told you a lie earlier when I said that my biggest 
difference in my rating versus the market was the Green Bay and Chicago game because I hadn't looked closely enough at this one. Man, am I heavy on Miami? I, 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 I have, I am, high, and not on this game in particular, but on the season. Yeah. My rating on Miami. Here are the teams I have ahead of the Miami Dolphins: Kansas City, Buffalo, Philadelphia, Cincinnati, San Francisco, Dallas. I'm again. I'm admittedly a Baltimore homer. I've been in the tank for Baltimore, and those are the only teams I have ahead of them. I, granted, I'm a little light on Jacksonville, considering where everybody else is on Jacksonville. If Jalen Ramsey were still healthy and going to play this whole year, I would be all the way in on Miami. But I think simply putting Vic Fangio in charge of this defense and letting a truly good yes. defensive mind work with the backside of this team, you're in a good spot. And you mentioned Tua, Matt. I'm not going to tell you anything other than Tua Tagovailoa is a top 10 quarterback in the NFL mm -hmm. when healthy. I can't. I, there's been too much evidence to the other side. And Mike McDaniel has shown that he is one of the most creative offensive minds in the game. Now, for the season-long prospects, you're not going to find me on Miami, you know, betting in terms of win totals or anything because they have one of the three hardest schedules in the NFL. So I don't want anything to do with it. But on a week-to-week -week basis, I really, really, really am going to like Miami this year. All of that said, I'm passing on this game because, as you said, the Chargers are the other side of the hype train. I'm actually right about on market with the Chargers. Mm -hmm. I have them uh, about one and a half better than the average team on a neutral. I know you're higher than that on them. I need to see it with a new offensive coordinator and with a new defensive coordinator and Brandon Staley. I don't know if he's 2021 Brandon Staley or 2022 Brandon Staley. Steve and I did this exercise whenever we did the, the season division previews, but I just, again, for our new audience out there, they were 3-0 and with Tua. He got concussed. They lose their next three games. He comes back. They win five games in a row. Then they play like a really tough stretch in the, in the schedule where they get the Niners, the Bills, and the Chargers. Now, they do lose those, but he plays well in those games. They're playing the Packers on Christmas. They are up 20-10 to 10 with 240 left in the first half. He gets obviously concussed to everyone in the world except the doctors on the sideline. He goes on from that point to throw for 81 yards and three interceptions. They lose the game. By the way, he doesn't play another snap the rest of the year. When he was out on the field, Tua and this team was elite. There's no questions about it. It's just he wasn't out there all that much. Well, we know he's going to be out there this week, and we can't just assume he's going to be hurt. Uh, it's interesting to me to catch three points, but I am like, like Adam said, I'm higher on the chargers than most people too. And so I, it's, I can't pull the trigger on it, but man, am I looking forward to this game? I love this game. My favorite game of the week by far. You guys have given great explanations of both teams. I don't need to go deeper on that. I'll, I'll just give you one other angle and way to look at this. And Matt, at times in the past, you hate when I do this, but it's week one and we have no other games to go off of. That's true. Let's year. go back eight years. Let's talk about the Chargers <laughs> and the Dolphins eight years ago. What what happened there? Let's We're going it. back week fourteen last year. Back when Philip Rivers only. Year. Back when Philip Rivers only had fourteen kids. Like, let's yes. do it. Right? Yeah, yeah. Let's go. O right. Only the eighteenth time that yeah. Rivers was down uh, four points with thirty yeah. seconds left and yeah. no timeouts. All right, uh, week 14 last year, these two teams played in the same place that they're going to play this week in Los Angeles. Both of the starting quarterbacks played in that game. Keenan Allen was back, full complement. Dolphins, full complement of receivers. So really the only biggest changes, because these are basically the same two rosters last year as they were this year, you know, two biggest differences are that the Chargers will have their star tackle Rashawn Slater back, 
and obviously Kellen Moore, the big upgrade at offensive coordinator for the Chargers. Vic Fangio, the defensive coordinator change for the Dolphins. In that game, Miami was minus three. Now it's plus three. Is there enough of a difference here with the rosters and the coaching changes to be a six-point difference from that game? Um, I'm skeptical of that. I bet Miami plus three. Go ahead and shoot me down if you think that's bad process. But, um, you know, I, I'm – I'm pretty bullish on both of these teams. And if I can get three on the Dolphins here, I'm pretty satisfied with that, especially in a place that we know has the the least home field advantage in the NFL. We can actually say maybe even negative because, I mean, maybe like negative, first game, yeah. first game of the year, um, Adam, I mean, listen, first game of the year, it's probably pretty easy for – Dolphins fans just plan to make the trip to LA, right? I mean, like, like, Hey, they're going to, they'll go to Disney one day and they go to like the Chargers game today. Like you're probably going to see half and half Dolphins fans, because if there's ever a road trip that you can make easily, it's like just plan on first game of the year. And like, all right, we're going to go over there. We're going to LA, take in some Disney stuff. We'll go down and spend, spend some, uh, spend some money down on Rodeo drive or whatever. And then, uh, we'll go, we'll, we'll go and do that. So, uh, I, I, yeah, no home field, home field advantage whatsoever. No, and I'll tell you what I really am hoping for in this game, and the only way that I would get involved. Um, man, do I want two bad drives to open this game. I want two three and outs so badly because I, I will be hammering <laughs> the in-game over if I get that opportunity. Uh, sitting 51 right now, I think that's probably about right. Um, but, man, if this thing gets down under 49 after a drive or two, like, yeah, let me in. Receiving yards for Jalen Waddell sitting at 70. Keenan Allen sitting at 68. Mike Williams, like uh, 86 on Tyreek Hill. I see just a, I see a flamethrower firefight in this thing. I don't know. It, it would be, I don't know if I could push an under on any of those guys, if we're being honest. I don't, I don't know if it's even possible for me to do it. Las Vegas Raiders and the Denver Broncos. Uh, Broncos, three and a half point favorites in this one. Raiders are uh, Raiders sitting, uh, you know, on the other side of a field goal, except for one book out there. You can still find a flat three forty four is your total. Stephen, I'll start with you because Adam uh, knows a lot, a lot about this Raiders squad. Um, listen, are you buying into Sean Payton coming in and fixing Russell Wilson, or is Russell Wilson broken beyond repair, or is he just a aging, declining quarterback, and he's not terrible? but he's never going to be like what we think of as Russell Wilson. Again, he's probably just more somewhere in the middle. I think Denver and Russell Wilson will be improved from what we saw a year ago, but I don't necessarily think that they're going to be good. Um, talked a little bit in the preseason about the fact that this is not just last year where Russell Wilson disappointed and maybe you can blame Nathaniel Hackett goes back to his final season in Seattle as well, where he was below average in EPA and success rate, throwing to Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. And also, this is maybe a bit of a hot take, but you know, Sean Payton loses Drew Brees to retirement and has a below average offense his first year without Drew Brees when he was in New Orleans. So they had a winning record, but I would give more credit to the defense that year. So um, I thought this was the line move in the offseason that I disagreed with the most. 
this opened closer to a pick them in the summer. And now it's all the way out to three and a half. At one point it got to four and a half before we finally got some buyback on the Raiders. And listen, Josh McDaniels, I think is maybe the nut low of, of bad head coaches in this league at this point. Um, it's a short list and he's on it. And I never want to back him as a favorite, but we're at the point now at more than a field goal where I took the bait. I took some McDaniels plus four, and it looks like we're, we're probably going to close around plus three and a half here. So I need to see it first with Denver and Russell Wilson. And I also don't like that they lost their defensive coordinator, who it seems everybody has a ton of respect for in Evero. Yeah, uh, Jerry Judy thing is interesting as well. If he's not out there, this offense is certainly not near as potent. So that is something to uh, to take into account. Adam, I know you you talk a lot about the about the Raiders. What do you feel in this game on the other side of a field goal? Man, I wish I had some feel for who Russell Wilson is going to be this year because if I believe that Russell Wilson could be even 25% better than he was last year, I would be all over every Denver uh, side that you would give me, even at more than a field goal because there's so much that is in the favor of the Denver Broncos here. You get the Raiders coming to altitude for the very first game of the season. You have no idea what the conditioning looks like for them. You get Jimmy Garoppolo off, what, half an off season, right? Mm -hmm. Having played very, very little in the preseason. You get Josh Jacobs having zero practice, zero training camp. Um, And then that's not even to talk about this absolutely nonsensical Chandler Jones situation that is going on right now with the Raiders, right? Uh, Chandler Jones is very likely not playing this Mm -hmm. week for the Raiders. He might not play this season for the Raiders. They just barely got Tyree Wilson, their number seven overall pick from Texas Tech into the fold. He's not going to be a factor here in week one. If you set this up for the Broncos to be able to put two and three guys on Max Crosby, there's no pass rush to be had for the Las Vegas Raiders. And if you think you can name two Las Vegas Raiders cornerbacks, (laughs) I will give you a shiny Buffalo nickel. Anyone? 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 I well, can because I follow this team. Well, the only the only reason I know Marcus Peters is because it was a thing when he signed with them. So like that. It was. It was. Yeah, yes. Yeah. It, it, it was a thing. Marcus Peters, Duke Shelley, Brandon Faison. Yeah, guys. There you go. Yeah. Guys. Guys. Yeah. Come on. Like that's what it's going to look like in the secondary. So I think this question, if we're going to talk about this game, the question comes down to Sean Payton. Period. Mm-hmm. End of story. If you think Sean Payton is going to come in and fix the Broncos then you believe that the Broncos are going to win this game and probably win it at margin, period. And that and your read on this right. game, to me, tells you what you think of the Broncos season long. And I happen to, I want to believe in the Broncos. I want to think this is a roster that can at least be better than it was last year. Strength of schedules in the middle. If you think Russ can still play, then you probably think this is a team that you should be leaning toward playing over on the season win total, right? You you should think this team can win eight or nine games if you think Russell Wilson and Sean Payton can fix it. Because, Matt, you know very well as a Saints fan, look back at the history of Sean Payton. There are not a lot of bad teams during the era of Sean Payton. Now, on the other side with the Raiders... I'm looking all thunders because I think think about the way this season goes for the Raiders. If Jimmy G gets hurt, they are tanking. End of story. 
you might consider them tanking right now, even with Jimmy Garoppolo on the field. But if he gets hurt, you are going to see an entire season of Aiden O'Connell and this team trying to get a top three pick. So if you can find a good price on a Raiders under five and a half wins, under four and a half wins, I think that's the way to look. Yeah, if you look on the on the Broncos side, they're not out yet. There's no props because the Jerry Judy thing is still floating. But if he does get ruled out, or even if he's ruled in, he'll probably be limited as it is anyway. It might not be Cortland Sutton. It might be Marvin Mims who ends up being their number one target in this game. And so whatever his prop comes out, just take a look. As long as it's not absurd, might be the way to look here. A guy that got a lot of look in the preseason. And apparently Russell Wilson, for whatever reason, has a lot of trust in, even though he's a rookie. So it it might not be like, oh, Jerry Judy's out. All the targets are going to go to Cortland Sutton. It might actually be Marvin Mims, so just something to, uh, well, to Matt, look at there. Yeah, Matt, I just want to – what I heard, actually, I, I heard this from one of the Denver Beat reporters. Marvin Mims' high knees are fantastic, and they've been working on him together. He, like On the I team plane it. in preseason, Marvin Mims and Russell Wilson back of the plane, high knees all the way there. See, that's, that's <laughs> how you bond. That's how you bond with your quarterback. That's my quarterback. That's, a, you know, that, that, that's what you do right there. Uh, Dallas Cowboys and the New York Giants – Three and a half, three, three and a half. Actually, there's some threes out there. Three, three and a half in favor of the Cowboys on the road over the Giants. 46 is your, 45 and a half, 46 is your total. Of course, I'm going to start with Steven because I want to get the Giants take from Adam here second. But um, Steven, I gotta be honest. I have the Cowboys as the second best team in the NFC behind the Eagles, but I am actually higher on the Giants than most everybody else is out there. So I can't I can't play the Cowboys in this situation. And if I were forced to play it, I think I'd take the, the other side of the field goal with the Giants. I know that seems crazy, but man, I am a little bit higher on this team. One, y'all know, y'all know from last year, I'm a Brian Dayball truther. I think the dude's for real. I think he's a very, very good coach. But you got a happy Daniel Jones, you got a happy Saquon Barkley, you bring in Darren Waller. I mean, this is, uh, I think this team, I think this team's going to shock some people this year. What say you? Man, we've had a lot of conversations amongst the staff at the lines about the Dallas Cowboys. And there are some people on our staff who are extremely high on Dallas, despite our concerns, Matt, that Mike McCarthy's taken over the play calling because I, and I can't, I can't disagree too much with them because they may have the best roster in the entire NFL and finally get Ezekiel Elliott out of the picture and let Tony Pollard be the full version of himself is really exciting. And Dan Quinn is maybe the best coordinator in the NFL. Um, Definitely the best coach on the roster in Dallas. So, and a ton of talent there that he's doing. Number one in pressure rate a year ago, despite only the 13th highest blitz rate. Um, that's cheat code in the NFL. So, I I think that it's pretty clear to me that Dallas is going to win a lot of regular season games again. And beat up on teams that just do not have the level of talent that they have. Uh, the, the non-top 10 teams of the NFL. So once this hit a slightly expensive three, I bet it. I bet Dallas minus three, like minus 115. Um, 
I certainly hear the arguments for Brian Dable and the Giants at plus three and a half, especially at home. But I still see a lot of holes on this roster talent-wise. And I still would be relying on Brian Dable to coach his way out of that against an elite roster and an elite team in this situation. So uh, I'm not ruling out backing Dable in different spots this year. But this this seems like a situation for me where the Giants ran pure with some variants last year, won a lot of one-score games. Um, tried to make some improvements, but nothing really offensively was headline worthy to me. Like Darren Waller's nice. It's not a huge upgrade to this offense in my mind. Um, so we'll see. And he also has to stay healthy as well, by the way. Healthy for this week. So that'll help. As can be um, said about every football player. that uh, <laughs> yeah. really, Yes, true. They do have to stay healthy in order to uh, contribute to their Except for maybe the uh, Packers wide that, receivers. That, but yeah, that, I'm that, curious that what you guys a, think of the Giants well, this week. Well, so I, I obviously the the team that Adam knows the second most about here, and I I want to I want to ask you a couple of questions about this. So I don't think anyone's going to question this front seven. I mean, look, the defensive line is friggin' ridiculous. Like it's 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 really it's really 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 good. There are some unproven names in the secondary. So basically, if they don't get pressure home, are these guys going to be able to cover? I think that's the, uh, a fair question heading into the year, and. I, I'm okay with the offense. I know some people like whatever. I, I'm okay with it. I think Isaiah Hodgins is fine, actually. I think he's a decent receiver. I think that you add in some of these other guys, like Waller adds a new dynamic to this offense. Like, I'm okay with it. It's just a problem. I think the rest of the offensive line outside of Thomas, if, you know, is, is how this is all going to go down. I think the range of outcomes for the Giants this year is as wide as their as just about any team in the NFL, if we looked up and they were a six win team, or if we looked up and they were an 11 win team, I would not be shocked one way or the other. I honestly think there's a five win gap for, for this squad. Um, what do you see in kind of your, your New York football giants? You know, I actually don't think the band is quite that wide on the giants this year. I, I think you're probably looking at a team that because of the schedule situation for them, which is very unfavorable compared to last year when they did, as Steven mm. mentioned, go eight and four, in one score games. I think the band for the giants this year probably looks more like five to nine. Um, and, and that's not me being down on them. I actually think mm -hmm. Brian Dable's still going to get a lot out of this roster, but I'm going to, I'll set it up for you. And for you, the listener viewer evaluating this team, here are the questions you have to answer. Matt talked earlier in the podcast about rookie tackles, making the leap in year two. Evan Neal needs to make a leap just to get to, to average. Right. And if he gets to average on the right side of the line, that is a major, major step for this team. Now, John Michael Schmitz was talked about as the best center in the draft. The Giants get him in the second round. They hope to God he's plug and play in the middle of that line because left guard and right guard are the two weakest spots on this offensive line. If you believe Evan Neal is going to get a little better. If those two spots, center and right tackle, are in any better shape, then I think you can feel a lot more confident about the Giants. That being said, this is week one against one of the most fearsome pass rushes in the NFL. And I think Daniel Jones might be running for his life in this game. Uh, if I were going to play it, and I'll give you a little preview here, uh, the only way I'm playing this game is probably either under, if I'm playing full game, or I'm looking for sack props, right? I, I think I'm probably willing to get involved with sack props with Dallas because I truly believe that Daniel Jones could be sacked five, six, seven times uh, in this game. So for the Giants, uh, the one thing I'll push back on a little bit is that Darren Waller, if healthy, 
is a major difference maker, not only for this quarterback, but for this coaching staff. Uh, you give them the opportunity to move Darren Waller all over the field. And if you read what's come out of Giants camp, beat writers weren't talking about, oh, Darren Waller's a nice little target for Daniel Jones. They were saying Darren Waller is uncoverable. And yeah. if that kind of Darren Waller shows up this year, even for 12, 13 games for the Giants, I think he's going to have two or three of those. He eats all game, gets 12 catches, and is the star of the game sorts of contest. Defensive side of the ball, Matt, you put it very well. The, the, the front four is fantastic. Bobby Okereke comes in. That's their big free agent signing in the offseason. He becomes the middle linebacker and the play caller. The secondary has major question marks outside of Adoree Jackson. This game in particular, I'm probably ultimately sitting out of if it gets under a field goal, which I don't think it will considering the popularity of the Cowboys and the fact that it's an island game. I would consider taking Dallas at that point, but I'll probably sit this one out. Yeah, I think one of the things I'll be looking for a little bit later in the season, too, I think Jalen Hyatt ends up working his way into, if not the wide receiver one spot for this team, certainly the wide receiver two spot for this team. I know he wasn't asked to do a lot at Tennessee, but I, I there's some talent there with, with Jalen Hyatt. And so I, I think like as the season progresses and his route tree just gets a little bit bigger and he gets a little bit more comfortable with having to be more than just a burner. Um, I, I'm going to be buying in on some, on some Jalen Hyatt. I'm going to be getting me some, some shares of that for sure. Cause I, I think he's, I think he's a pretty talented dude. I thought that was a good draft pick for them. Yeah. Especially to get him in the third round when, you know, he's a guy that I think some folks early had mocked, in the first, he fell through the second, and uh, he had a couple of plays in the preseason that were true eye-opener plays. Tyrod Taylor hit him for about a 40-yard touchdown one of the early preseason games, and it was, Matt, exactly what you said. It wasn't the speed so much as the route that really impressed mm -hmm. me. All right, guys, let's put a bow on this thing. Buffalo Bills and the New York J-E-T-S Jets, Jets, Jets. We know what's going on here. It is Aaron Rodgers at home against Buffalo on Monday night. Holy shit, can we believe that this is what's, you know, that what we get on Monday night. It is a two and a half point spread in favor of the Bills as we are recording this. 45 and a half is your total. Adam, I am on record as saying that I am a little bit less enthusiastic about the Jets as everybody else. But that's not me saying that I think they're going to be bad by any stretch. But I've seen like projections of them being 13 and four and all this and 12 and five. And I'm like, eh, I think let's like not get crazy here. I, yes, defense is great. No doubt about that. Defense is amazing. Yes, you are inserting a Hall of Fame quarterback in there. But this is not just a plug and play offensive line. This is certainly not just a plug and play receiving core, even though I do believe in Garrett Wilson. Outside of that, it's a bunch of just dudes, right? It's a bunch of his, it's a bunch of Aaron Rodgers friends that they signed because they wanted to make Aaron Rodgers happy. And so it, it, it's, it's the running back position certainly got better when they brought in Dalvin Cook. I think that is because Brees Hall is going to need a little bit of time to, to get back up to full speed. Under a field goal, I don't want to play a road team. But if I were going to play a road team, a good team against another good team, I think this would be the game that I would pick because I do think the Bills are superior to the Jets. And certainly, I think the Bills are superior to the Jets early in the season. Maybe the Jets get better over the long haul and, and whatever. But, like, you know, I think the Bills are better from day one against this Jets team as well. Um, maybe a contest play for me, but I don't know if it'll actually make the betting card. So let me add to the point that you just made, and I want to talk about where this is in my power ratings, 
because this game's sitting two and a half in favor of Buffalo, and my power rating is Buffalo four. Well, it doesn't mm-hmm. sound like a big difference, right? But I'm crossing the field goal. And at the yeah. point where I'm crossing the field goal, I'm going to take a very long look at Buffalo. It's a lean yeah. for me. I haven't played it yet. But the same way you were talking about Seattle earlier and saying, what am I missing here about Philadelphia? What am I missing here? I'm looking at Buffalo in this game and saying, what exactly is it that I'm missing about this other than respect for Aaron Rodgers? Um, I will caution anybody thinking about playing this as a teaser leg. I don't think it's the slam dunk that it might appear to get eight and a half with the Jets because I think this could go pear-shaped really fast if Buffalo looks as good as I think it could. Because if you go back to last season, why are we down on Buffalo, right? Like, why are we not feeling as good about Buffalo as we were at the beginning of last year when some people have been power rated as the best team in football? Well, Josh Allen had an elbow injury that he played through in the middle of the season that significantly affected him. And... They played through the DeMar Hamlin situation, which I think has to become an all bets are off when you talk about what happened to the Bills at the end of last season in that game against Cincinnati, right? Like You're talking about one of the most unprecedented things in the history of sports. Oh, by the way, Von Miller, who was maybe the single most important player on the defense, ends up again having a catastrophic injury and missing the rest of the year. The defense was completely different after Von Miller went out. So... I'm not as far back on Buffalo as a lot of people are. I do think they have a much tougher path than uh, Mm. I would prefer, right? Like strength of schedule wise, this is a team that is facing a top five schedule against this year. But that being said, in this spot against the Jets team that I am not sold on in any way, mostly because of the offensive line, I'm going to take a long look at Buffalo laying the points. Yeah, Steven. So that's where I'm kind of at with all of this, right? It's like, yeah, you got Aaron Rodgers, and you do got Garrett Wilson, and he's great. There's no doubt about that. But, I mean, the other two receivers are Alan Lazard and Miko Hardman. They're fine. You know, yeah, whatever. They're fine, but they're just they're just dudes. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, they're just dudes. The outside, the edges of this offensive line where Aaron Rodgers needs protection the most are, are weak, very weak spots here for, for this team. And then if you look, like, on the other side of the ball, like I, I mean, I think the Bills – are certainly going to be able to get some pressure on Aaron Rodgers. And with all of that, like we've seen him get frustrated and do their, you know, stuff just over the course of, of hard knocks with this offensive line. And so they might get better again. Like I said, I, I, I think they could get better over the course of the season, but I'm not just like buying in on them game one, just because Aaron Rodgers is under center. From what I was reading, it might not even be me. Cole Hardman as the wide receiver three, and he's going to put another uh, crony out there and Randall Cobb at, at the ripe old age of thirty three years old. Oh, is, is he is he running routes on his rascal three wheel scooter? Is that like what he's like going yeah. out there and he's driving around on his little scooter? And so, yeah, that's how. He's yeah, doing prop it. prop bet Cobb's <laughs> age or receptions this year for Randall right. Cobb. That's a, that's a good one. That's you should you should write you should send that to one of the books. There you go. I'll, yeah, put on my application. Um, I, I'm. I think that the there's been some Bills fatigue this offseason that I didn't really understand. Um, I understand that the division schedule for the AFC East teams is the toughest in the league this year. If you go by opponent win totals, it's it's a tall task there. But I didn't see much difference um, with this Bills roster versus what it was last year. And we went from heavy favorite to win the division to, I think, around plus 150 to win the division. So I, I bet that. And I, I understand that the, the Jets got Aaron Rodgers and the Dolphins look better. Um, 
you know, I'm hopeful that Tua stays healthy, but that's still a big question mark that he's he could be one hit away from never playing in the NFL again. So um, I thought it was a, a good discount to take Buffalo both on the win total uh, over 10 and a half wins and to win the division as well. And I continue to exercise that opinion, betting them in this game minus two and a half against the Jets, because Matt, I thought you made the best point of all that just because the Jets are better on paper, like we saw with the Tom Brady teams when he arrived on a ready-made roster, it didn't happen right away. And the Bills have fantastic continuity going into this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, can I, no, can I just sure. add yeah. one, one quick point here that we have not mentioned yet? Um, who's going to be the offensive coordinator for the New York football Jets this year? Oh, thank you for mentioning that. Nathaniel Hackett, ladies and gentlemen. And the night sweats. Nathaniel Hackett and the night sweats, which is what I get <laughs> when I have to watch Nathaniel Hackett. Hey, hey, they're getting to the gold zone, uh, you know, like the the gold member zone and stuff mm. and whatnot. Yeah, but to your point, like, even if you want to make the argument that it's not actually Hackett calling the plays, it's just Aaron Rodgers completely taking over and, and he's basically a player coach out there. Rodgers was not good last year, you know, so is he really going to bounce back to what we saw the year before? Or at his age, is he going, you know, or is, you know, is elite Aaron Rodgers gone or is it more somewhere in the middle of the range of outcomes? I'm not saying he's going to be bad, but even if he's just closer to slightly above average, is that enough? Yeah. The only thing I I would also say, too, you have time out there, guys, to get in on the season long props. And they're inflated on a lot of these dudes because Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback. But they're not taking into account that Aaron Rodgers under Nathaniel Hackett. For two straight years, they were in. They were they were dead last, and they were thirty first in pace of play. Then Nathaniel Hackett left, and they were twenty eighth in pace of play. So it didn't even matter. It's just Aaron Rod. Aaron Rodgers just plays slow. He wants to get up to the line, and he wants to read the defenses, yeah. and he wants to call audibles, and he wants to do all of that. Like there is a decent chance this team runs a significant amount of plays fewer than other teams over the course of the year. And like these these, I've seen these season long win uh, season long prop totals for a lot of these receivers and running backs and all the stuff that like is inflated just because Aaron Rodgers is there and like sure the efficiency is going to be at least a little bit higher but you you have to account for they're going to run 10% fewer plays than like like most of these other teams and stuff and like that's incredibly massive so again just something if you want to get in I've I've gotten on a couple of the unders out there on these guys Adam I know you wanted to, to add something no it was it, you're, really you you went to the direction that I was going to go there in the first place and talk about the fact that you know i think the one thing you can you can say in aaron Rodgers' defense from last year is that the thumb injury was a real thing right yeah. and and that did affect how he played throughout the course of last season i think it affected where, where green bay ended up but everything we just said about rogers plus hackett and what it means for them going forward is still much more of a concern in the other direction all right, guys, we're going to end this thing real quick. Um, Steven, give me your two Super Bowl teams and then tell me who wins the Super Bowl. Oh, man. Um, oh. Put me on the spot. Good here. radio. I want to go with the Doug Peterson Bowl. Jaguars versus Eagles, and Doug gets his revenge for being fired by Philadelphia. 
Look at that. Adam, your Super Bowl teams, who wins it? Man, I, I, I want to say Philadelphia gets out of the NFC. I still think they are by far the best team. The division gives me a little bit of pause because Dallas is there. I'll stick with chalk with Philadelphia on that side. I don't believe that Miami can keep it healthy all year long. I think it makes the AFC East a little more open. I think this is the year Buffalo puts this all together, and I think you have a Buffalo Eagles Super Bowl. I like it. You want to hear about chalk? How about how about this chalk? I think it's Cincinnati in Philadelphia. How about that? Like the chalkiest of chalk, but I did, I honestly do. I think I think they're the two best teams, and I think they're going to get it done. And when it's all said and done, the richest guy in the NFL in NFL history, Jesus H. Burrow, is going to go ahead and he's going to be holding that trophy above his head. Cincinnati gets it done this year uh guys everything we do absolutely free on the line so go over take in all the awesome work that is on the written side of things all the tools that we have over there as well and then of course right here on the podcast feed if you want to give us a review that would be amazing and or a little rating that'd be great and if you're watching us over on the youtube side hello we're going to be here all season long please go ahead give us a uh, a like a thumbs up and then let us know in the comment section do you agree with us do you disagree with us is there anything you'd like us to add to the podcast as we move forward throughout the course of the season do appreciate that as well for Steven, for Adam, I'm Matt. Good luck in week number one. It's here finally.